Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. With me is Christy Fox. Christy, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, well, good to be back because you've done another show with us, and it was a good show. And so I'm happy that you could come back, and I'm hoping you come back very often because we had kind of a stimulating discussion, as I recall. And I'm well, looking forward to doing that. Well, it was certainly interesting and fun. Yeah. What did we talk about? Did you do you even remember? I don't remember. I just oh remember I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, we talked a lot about development. If I if I, if I remember correctly, it was a yeah. major yeah. thing going on in Carnation at the time. It probably still is, as a matter of fact. But you can only yeah. talk about something for so long. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially when we don't have all the details, we don't have all the insider information and all that kind of stuff. But this time, you know, I mean, I want to build off of that a little bit because I just uh, got a, a notice from the uh, Duval Chamber today. And Duval Chamber of Commerce hands out welcome bags to new residents. And they, Valley Radio always participates. We put in some refrigerator magnets and, you know, things like that for the welcome wagon or for the welcome uh, bags. And today I got a notice from them that they want 35 more because they underestimated, and it was the same estimate they always use. They always ask for 100 every six months. And today I got the email that they need 35 more before they start their next period because, Apparently, things are booming real estate-wise, or at least with people moving in, in the Duval area. So are we are, are we on an uptick here? I mean, I hear on the news, I'm not in the market to buy a house or anything. I've lived in my house since Job was a baby. But are we on an uptick here? I mean, are, are people moving in again? Because I hear on the news that house values have gone down or stabilized or whatever. Are you on top of that? Do you know what's happening with the real estate market? Because I don't. Well, I just recently sold a house. Actually, it was in July, I think. But uh, so I was very, very actively in the market up till that point. I was pretty much obsessed with it. Um, but I still follow it a little bit with a lot of gratitude that I don't have to care about it anymore because I feel like I'm never moving again. But um, apparently what I've been seeing recently is that the experts, uh, such as they are, seem to believe that the downturn was pretty much a blip and that things are firming up and starting to move again. Now, you have to understand that even when they were saying, oh, house values are going down, oh, 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 and it sounded like the sky was falling. In fact, we never really got back to what's considered a historically a normal market in terms of supply and demand. Um, we were just in a situation for a little while, about a year or so, where things weren't increasing so, so fast, and there weren't huge bidding wars over everything, and some of the top end of the market had eased some. But the outlying areas, and we here in in the Snow Valley are considered, from the point of view of the Seattle market, we are considered an outlying area. They never, the outlying areas, uh, never really slowed down in terms of price appreciation. So Mm -hmm. it's not at all surprising to me that Duval needs more welcome baskets. Um, there is a Toll Brothers uh, major development that's on Big Rock right now that has been under development for a while, and they're building now, and they are advertising it strongly in the newspapers, on the air, and things like that. That's the ridge at Big Rock Um and so it really doesn't surprise me that people are moving out here. Um, my, you know, they're advertising it as being 12 miles from Microsoft, which I hadn't really realized. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what it is. It's 12 miles from Microsoft. And Microsoft oh, is expanding. 12 miles are going to take you about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually had to. Interestingly enough, I, I work from my home um, out here in the Valley. So I am able to kind of time when I go west to avoid the traffic. But um, recently I had to be in Bellevue at 745 in the morning, and Mm -hmm. I was shocked at the traffic at that time in the morning. It was horrendous. 
going over on Novelty Hill Road. Oh my God, it was worse than four oh five at rush hour. Oh, it, it is. It's terrible. And oh. you know, you know, I used to be a, a traffic reporter, right? I mean, I used to do traffic and news in, in downtown Seattle, and yeah. uh, you know, for Cairo, Como, some of those other stations that we that aren't nearly as good as Valley One Hundred Four Point Nine. Okay, um, they um, the rush hour just never ends anymore. It never ends. We used to have a rush hour. It would start yep. and then it would go through its worst and then it would resolve and then you could have smooth sailing. But not anymore. Not anymore. Now, I mean, you you wake up in the morning. There it really isn't a time where you can just go and avoid traffic. And, you know, it depends on the day. It depends on the weather. It depends on so many things. But you mentioned something about working from home. And I see this. I work from home a lot. And my kids, my, I have a, a, a kid in Portland um, and I have a, a kid here, and I am absolutely gobsmacked at how much they just work from home um, and not having, and, and, and clearly that's the solution. You know, I mean, you can't have this kind of traffic. But then I get on my rant. I get on my rant, you know, my old lady rant, and I go, but wait a minute, you know, King County wants us all on public transportation, but then they do things like charge rent for the park and ride spaces. And, the, you know, so it's like, what a mixed message, you know, do you, do you want us to take the bus and park and ride and all that stuff or do you not? Um, so yeah, so, you know, that's, that's just my rant. That's just my, my normal, my normal rant, but it, it's such a mixed message. I think around here, it, it, as far as, you know, the, the real estate market, as far as everything, I mean, it just, it's crazy, but I've lived here, you know, for a hundred years. And so, you know, to me, I guess if you're new and moving in or you've only been here a couple of years, it doesn't seem any crazier in any place else, but to me, I mean, it's just I'm just gobsmacked by it. It's just like really, really people, you know. I mean, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know what's happening. I'm glad that the real estate market hasn't completely, you know, bottomed out. But I didn't think it would, you know, because we keep getting more people. But what I see is the older people and the people who've been here a long time. Those are the folks that are are getting out of dodge. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, sure. Um, I moved out to the valley fairly recently from Issaquah, where I have lived for 20 years. And um, when I moved to Issaquah 20 years ago, it was a quiet little town. Um, You know, I mean, it was a suburb still then, of course, of Seattle, but it was quiet. It was calm. It was peaceful. And now it's... I mean, it's insane. It's just insane there. A lot of people, I think, are moving out of the area, older people, as you said, because, you know, if you don't need to deal with the traffic, why? Um, Why would you? And also because, of course, it's gotten so expensive to live here. Um, Oh, gosh. You know, and if you want to... You know, if if you know, if you certainly can't move in here. I have an old friend who lives in Kentucky, and who works at the University of Kentucky, and lived for quite a few years in Portland, and would just so love to retire back to the Pacific Northwest. He's loved the Pacific all his life. I bet um, he can't afford to do it. Well, he can't. He can't. Yeah. He's got a lovely yeah. home in Lexington, Kentucky, which is a beautiful place. But it hasn't mm-hmm. appreciated the way it has around here. As he put it, there's no way I could buy back my house that I sold when I left Portland. I think he left about 17 years ago. He, could, he can't do it. He can't afford to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, realistically, the fact of the matter is that if you live in a city that's growing, especially on the West Coast, that's the way it is. And it's happening in any place that has job growth. We've got enormous mm-hmm. population growth here because we have jobs. And well, yeah, places and that don't have jobs are them. suffering. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. you know, which would you rather have? Yeah. Well, but, but there's also that issue. You know, I've, I've spoken with some young people and I say, you know, why? Why do you want to move here where you have to spend $3,000 to rent a studio apartment uh, that doesn't even include parking where, you you know, it'll take you two hours to get 
you know, anywhere outside of the city. And, you know, why? What, what's the motivator for moving into a city? Because I'm a country girl. I can't think of any city that I would be motivated to move into. Um, you know, that's just, that's just me. I, I just, uh-uh. You know, I mean, I do, a hot, living in a high-rise, uh-uh, just push me off the balcony because I don't want to do that. But I have asked some young people why, you know, what's the, the motivation for you? And they always say jobs. And I go, but there are other jobs. There are jobs all over the place. You know, that, that, and they say, but these pay well. And this is the part I don't understand because, okay, you work for a Microsoft or an Amazon and you have lots of zeros after your paycheck, but look at how many more zeros you're going to have to spend to get housing, to buy groceries, to go anywhere. I mean, I, my daughter will call me when she comes up from Portland and says, what do you need from Costco or from this store or from that store? Because everything that she can get in Portland is cheaper than I can get it here locally. Um, so she'll just do a shopping run for me. She always checks in, you know, what do you, what do you need? <laughs> because I can Not save. Not mention you know, the fact that they don't have sales tax, which always helps. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, but, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, remember, I remember when I was young. But the fact of the matter <laughs> is that young people, especially young people starting out and getting jobs, They want to be where the action is. I wanted to be where the action was when I was starting out. I didn't want to be. I started in radio, as you probably did, although I kind of veered away from it in later years. But I wanted to be where the action was. I didn't want a small market job. I went to Chicago. You know, which was, of course, almost going home for me because I grew, I grew up outside of Chicago. But I wanted, I lived in the city. I wanted the big city in excitement and energy. And I think that's got a lot to do with it. I remember reading at some point in the past few years um, and, and our, an interview with, uh, and I can't remember who it was. It was somebody, it's a New York socialite, a rather well-off woman from New York who was in her 60s, and she had moved, I think, down to Hilton Head or someplace, some retirement area, some very well-off retirement area on the southeast coast. And her comment was, cities are for young people. And mm-hmm. I, that resonated with me. And it's really, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that there's no room for older people by any means, but the the excitement of a city, the energy of the city – makes up for the negatives of the crowding and the high prices and the inconvenience and all of that. So, you know, I I understand why young people want to come here. They want to come here because it is the happening place. But, yeah, for me, I mean, and I enjoy, I mean, I, I am, I'm sad because if I go to the art museum in Seattle, I mean, I have to really, really think about, do I really want to spend two hours getting in there to see that exhibit? Oh, yeah. Do I really, oh, yeah. you know. So, I mean, I enjoy some of the, the benefits of being near a city, but to me the cost of accessing those benefits is just way prohibitive. And the and it's not just the traffic. I mean, I find, again, I grew up in a cornfield. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I've never been a big city person but when I go to big cities I do travel a lot and when I go to big cities I see a big city attitude and Seattle's getting that um you know they talk about the Seattle freeze I think it's more of a urban freeze a more of an urban you know we've got my bubble I've got my bubble around me and even though there are 85 million people around me I'm in my bubble and don't bother me um and I see that I that's just not for me I have a really hard time with that. Um, and so to me, that's an urban, I don't care whether it's London or Seattle. I mean, you get that. City people, I guess, have to do that, you know, for self-protection. But that's not my comfort zone or anywhere near my comfort zone. And so I'm always fascinated when, when people choose purposely um, to relocate around something like that. Because to me, it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to not be able to go into a shop and chit-chat about the weather for, for, you know, a minute as you make your purchase. And you don't see that with the big city attitude. Once in a while you do, but not very often. Christy, you know what? 
We weren't going to talk about real estate. Here we spent the whole time talking about real estate. I know. Well, I was actually going to say something when you were talking about mixed messages um, and Mm. transportation and all of that. Something came up recently that um, certainly affected me personally that is just to me so confusing and so almost incomprehensible that the state legislature did. And that was this new oh, car tab fee. I have to stop you there. I, I'm, I'm shocked and appalled that a state legislature did something that was, <laughs> you know, huh, that made no sense. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> what they did, they passed a new car tab fee on hybrids. Oh. Did you hear about that? For $75 for the hybrid. $75. Oh now, I, you know, yeah. when I read it, I thought, oh, my God, I have a hybrid. I've driven a hybrid for years. I have to pay an extra $75 for what? And then I talked to my sister, who also drives a hybrid. She goes, oh, no, it's just electric hybrids, the plug-in kind. And I said, oh, well, that makes sense, because the point of this whole thing is to pay or to help pay for building out the infrastructure for electric cars, charging stations and things like that. And I thought, oh, okay, well, a plug-in hybrid, that makes sense because they they would use these electric charging stations. But I thought, you know, I better look this up. So, you know, being the research junkie lawyer that I am, I went and read the bill. And sure enough, it's like a tacked-on paragraph saying, well, if you drive a hybrid, you got to pay this too. And so I said, yes. And I went so far as to say, well, how do they define a hybrid? Because as is typical legislative speak, they didn't say if you drive a hybrid, you got to pay this too, because that would be far too simple. So, you know, they said, well, if you don't qualify to pay it under this section, then you have to pay it under this section. So I I said, okay, I'm going to look up these (laughs) definitions, which took me back, believe it or not, to the Internal Revenue Service Code through three or four steps to find the definition of a hybrid vehicle. And sure enough, the state legislature added to this bill because some legislature off over in eastern Washington somewhere thought it would be a good idea because we're the kind of people who would be willing to pay it, people who drive hybrids. <laughs> Honest to God, honest to God, when I say that, that was what the the article in the Seattle Times quoted her as saying, well, we're we're the kind of people who would be willing to pay this. And I'm going, well, that does, you know, you may be the kind of person who would be willing to pay this, but that doesn't mean that I am. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to punish people for not polluting. Yeah, I mean it's just and and I again I fully admit that I have rolled down the that slippery slope into old fartdom because you know I, I I look at some of this stuff and I I I just I no longer even see motivations of of you know I I I, I, I don't even know the word for it I all I see is people want money. You want money. Every time you turn around, they want money. They want more money. They want money. You know, I mean, I asked Kathy Lambert, I interviewed her a couple of months ago when they were first proposing that, that fee for the for reserved uh, parking spaces at the park and rides, which presumably means that if you reserved a fee and I come in and you're, you're not using it that day, I still can't use it, you know, because you reserved it. Um, you I, know, and oh I, asked, I said, what you know, do I said, Kathy, do do people just? I mean, are they different from me? They just have spare hundred dollar bills sitting around that they're just looking for places to give every month. Because I don't have that. And she started laughing. She goes, Well, you know, I'm awfully hard on Kathy, by the way. Hey, listen, I'm looking at the clock, Christy. We need to take a break, and we should do that right now. But we're going to be right back, and who knows where this conversation is going to go. And by the way, I'll explain my voice when we get back. You're listening to Valley Talk on Valley 104.9 FM. Remember to join us at 1 p.m. on Sunday for Animal Radio. Animal Radio is America's most listened to pet show. 
The nearly two-hour celebration of our pets is hosted by veterinaire talent Al Abrams and Judy Francis. So tune in, 1 p.m. Sunday, Animal Radio. Where else are you going to hear Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Genesis, Joe Cocker, Bjork, 10CC and other interesting music other than Equinox on Friday evenings with Ian and John right here on Valley 104.9. Welcome back to Valley Talk. You're listening to Christy Fox and Heather Stark. That's me. I'm the cranky one. She's the, she's the lawyer and the researcher. I'm just the cranky, grousy one. Um, but I think we're having conversations that a lot of people have. At least I've heard people talking about the things that we're talking about, haven't you, Christy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, And I kind of take issue with you being the cranky one. First of all, you're not (laughs) that cranky, and frankly, I'm not that uncranky. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll shuffle through that later, but um, I just, you know, I, I do find that, you know, my perspective has changed over the last few years, and I don't know whether it's because everything around me has changed and forced it or whether I'm just, like I said, floating down that slippery slope to cranky them. Um, but whatever it is, um, I do think that a lot of people are asking these questions and talking about this. Even people who are 100% behind some of these taxes and stuff are still going, whoa, how much, how, you know, where, why? Um, we're starting to question that because even though this is a very well-off area, not everyone is well-off. You know, the other thing that, that's going on, I was confused because, you know, of course, this is in Seattle, but where Seattle goes, you know, is the rest of Washington far behind. And they, they talked about, I think they've dropped it, but they talked, they talked about um, taxing um, or eliminating natural gas for heating homes because it's not clean. Well, in the first place, I thought it was. I mean, I remember you know, years ago where you, and I even saw a car the other day, I think it was a, a city car or a garbage truck or something that said we run on 100% clean natural gas. And I'm going, wait a minute, contact that Seattle City Councilman because it's not so clean anymore, at least according to him, you know. Um, but I thought natural gas was clean, but now apparently, no, that's evil. But then that's the same thing with, with paper bags. Paper bags were horrible. We were depleting the planet and killing the forest. We couldn't use those. So we switched to plastic bags. And now we're killing the planet with the plastic bags and we're supposed to use paper or, or the reusable. You know, I mean, it's like, I can't keep up with it all. I just can't. <laughs> well, unfortunately, so, neither can the people, excuse me, neither can the people who make these pronouncements. The whole natural gas thing, in fact, they did not put a natu- uh, tax on natural gas. I don't think they ever really talked about it. They have put a tax on heating oil. Yeah, that is. That's yeah. going to hurt the people who live in the old houses that have never been upgraded to natural gas or electric. And, and the but reason it they is, haven't been upgraded is probably because of the cost factor. You know, it's oh not yeah, cheap they can't afford it. Yeah. They can't yeah. afford it. So even even though heating oil can be very expensive, it's an incremental cost rather than a great big upfront cost that either the mm-hmm. people who own the homes can't afford or their rental homes and the owners aren't going to put the money into it because they're not going to get it out in increased rent. Um, and they can't afford to get, you know, they can't qualify for the kinds of loans that it would take to, uh, to, to do that kind of work. Um, the, you know, the whole thing about natural gas is, of course, that everything is relative. Natural gas is cleaner than oil. It is cleaner than coal. It's a big reason that the coal industry in our country is in such bad shape because there's so much natural gas available since they've learned how to get it out of the ground. And it is much cleaner than coal, but it's not as clean as electricity, of course, depending on where you get your electricity from, because if you get your electricity from coal, then electricity is dirtier than natural gas. It's very complex. But, but where does this guy in Seattle come off saying, I mean, what on what is he basing that natural gas has to be eliminated? What what created that desire for oh, that, this man? Oh, that's, that's something that um, is in the, um, the renewable energy world is a goal. It is a goal to replace natural gas with renewable energy sources. And it's an admirable goal. It needs to happen. There's no doubt that that needs to happen. The problem is, 
And, of course, he was saying that, you know, since we have, especially in Seattle, that since so much of the energy comes from renew- the electric- electrical energy, the electrical supply in Seattle comes from hydropower, which is a renewable source. Therefore, electrical heat is much cleaner than natural gas heat. And it is. Um, and obviously, if you're trying to phase something out, whatever it happens to be, you do it with new construction rather than going and saying, oh, you have to replace, you have to replace, you have to replace. Um, the problem, of course, is that you can't do something like that without getting buy-in from all the affected parties. And, you know, th- that particular guy, was he's, he's not running for re-election. He's leaving the council. So it's real easy for him to shoot off his mouth about stuff without really thinking <laughs> about it too much. The fact of the matter is that Seattle is a growing city. It is a good idea to not have new natural gas hookups where they're not necessarily, they are necessary for cooking, you know, restaurant cooking and stuff like that. There's no substitute for that at this point. But the fact is that the, there's nothing that says, and maybe it's possible, maybe it, maybe it's not, I don't know the details, but there's nothing that says that the electrical grid in Seattle is even capable of supporting that kind of an increase if all of these new places don't have gas and they all are electrical rather than gas. But it's also true that an increasing number of new housing built in Seattle, an increasing proportion is already electrical, that they're not putting in natural gas, that they are putting in electrical because it is cleaner burning, because it is, in terms of going forward, it's much easier to, re, to convert to a uh, natural uh, renewable source. You can add solar, things like that. So it's happening anyway, and you really don't need a city council person to be shooting, you know, to be shooting from the hip and things like that. Um, speaking of yeah, the well, Seattle City Council shooting from the hip, now this is now a personal. Right. Well, okay. you know, Al Franken oh, is doing. No, we don't a, reveal. Is, excuse me, Christy. We don't reveal personal feelings here. Okay. Oh, okay. Be I won't say anything first about yeah. my personal feelings. <laughs> Al Franken, we all know who Al Franken is. Yes. Uh, the former oh, comedian. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh-huh. Senator who yeah. resigned no, because he was accused of groping. He is yes. making an appearance. He's doing a speaking tour, performance tour, you know, being a former comedian it's, and a former senator. It's, I have no idea what it is, but and I'm I don't have a ticket to go see it, primarily because of what you said about the hassles of going downtown. Yeah, but, but are they he's so he's canceling that? Pardon? Uh, they are considering anyway. canceling it, are they not? Because of well, no, they're not going to cancel it. They 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 they're not going to cancel it, but a couple of the city council people, the Seattle city council p- people called for it to be canceled. Because well, there were the new allegations that he had groped a an aide to Patty Murray. Um and so he shouldn't be allowed to – it's uh, uh, STG, Seattle Theater Group, is sponsoring um, his show. And STG should, should not have someone like that appearing. And mm-hmm. I just – I have to say, I read that, and I just thought, oh, my goodness, PC – run amok. And I was very glad to read that the ACLU okay, spoke up and said, whoa, wait a, wait a minute. You don't get because to do that. I, I have a question about that because not that my feelings are different, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Are there different rules and different expectations for this kind of behavior and what's, what's acceptable depending on your political party? Oh, I think probably so. But, you yeah. know, um, that's that's coming from the point of view of somebody who doesn't have a political party. I'm not part of a political party. Um, and, but I can say, as a woman, I find the um, alleged uh, behavior by Mr. Franken, who as a comedian I just love, I have to say. He was hysterical. Um, you know, I, I find it totally unacceptable. 
Um, yeah. You know, he certainly was never accused of the kind of Harvey Weinstein um, sexual assault. Um, you know, it was more fraternity boy, um, you know, grabbed the wrong whatever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much we can say on our radio <laughs> station. Uh, every, we, but all it, you know, we all know. We all know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. I mean, I he was never accused that. of anything, and even this latest thing with Patty Murray's aide. You know, it's the kind of thing that, frankly, um, growing up, if somebody did that to me, I probably would have turned around and slapped his face, but that was about it. Um, but we're in a different but nonetheless, generation. Part, oh, very much a different generation, no doubt about that. But nonetheless... Nonetheless, I mean, I, I cannot say, oh, it was just a good old boy thing, no big deal, et cetera, et cetera. But the city council is a government body. And the government, uh, representatives of a government body have no place saying that somebody should not be allowed to appear because yeah, we think that something he did values, was unacceptable. Our values as a society, as a culture, are so wonky right now. I, the, the, sometimes I think, you know, and I remember, you know, there have been times where, you know, I've been frustrated by this. But the fact is, we don't, we don't teach civics. Nobody, nobody gets civics anymore. You know, everybody thinks, oh, this rule should just be eliminated when, you know, there's a real reason for it. Or, you know, that, that this body shouldn't, should do this when they can't. I remember just a year or so ago, King County Council got in trouble with somebody um, because some, there was a candidate or somebody who ran for office. He ended up pulling out, but he had been on the council, I believe, or somehow affiliated with the county. And the, his, his, alleged victim he wasn't charged with anything so i will say or he wasn't convicted of anything so i will say alleged uh went to the council and wanted them to do some take some action well this person was no longer employed there he was no longer running for office you know what what do you want us to do was basically what the council ended up doing and they got all sorts of flack for it you know especially the members of the council who spoke out about it um but seriously what do you expect them to do about that you know, just like the point you're making about, you know, this governmental body has no business talking about something like that. Maybe as individuals they can do it, but not as a governmental entity. And yet we're they all confused. Can't. People don't get that. People don't get Well, it. I know they don't. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, people throw around free speech all the time. Well, I've got free speech rights. The fact of the matter is that, yeah, yeah people have free speech rights, but the whole context of that is the government. It is that the government can't, on the basis of who you are or what you're saying or what you stand for, cannot say you can't talk. Now, if it's somebody in my house and they're saying something I don't like, I have every right in the world to say, shut your trap or get out of my house. Mm-hmm. Because it's private, yeah. and there is no private right to free to free speech. But this, so you know, if if it was private people saying, "Oh, he shouldn't be allowed to be there because," then, you know, whether or not you agreed with them, they have the right to express their opinion. But Absolutely. a member of the city council, yeah, speaking but, but as a member of the city council. No, they don't have that oh. right. That is that is unconstitutional, and they don't even seem to well, realize. See, it. I think I think you ought to start a petition and see if somebody. Let's call the ACLU. The ACLU <laughs> spoke out about it. As Good. a matter of fact, they, they said they you can't do that. Okay. They you know told, what, they told the city council people, I hey, still... you can't do that. It is an abridgment of free speech because you're the government. Okay, but I question if Al Franken was not a noted liberal, what if he had been some wild-ass, you know, in, can I say that? Uh, yeah, I said it. 
Um, you already did. Somebody who, who, yeah, I know. I'm in trouble now. Yeah, that's that's Heather Stark at Valley1049.org. Um, but you know, <laughs> I mean, if it's a different political persuasion, um, you know, I mean, what if the guy was the Ku Klux Klan member? Would the ACLU have still stood up and said that? I as a matter of fact, the ACLU does stand up for Ku Klux Klan people. They stand up for Nazis. They stand up for everybody. They do. They okay. stand up for free speech rights. They do. <laughs> well, I'm they glad do. Famously Listen, do. We have talked away another segment, and we're going to have to go on a break. And then we're going to go to something lighter after this, okay? Oh, and I oh, said less. I was going to talk about my voice. Yeah, I said I was going to talk about my, my crackly voice here. I so like your crackly voice. Way. Do you? Yeah, it's a real sexy, I do. huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what you get when you tape four uh, uh, one-hour shows in a in a twenty-four hour period. Um, okay, we're going to come back after this break. We're going to talk about something a little lighter than the politics and real estate things. And wait till you hear this one. If you haven't heard this one, this is a really good one. Um, so we're going to be right back, and that's right here on Valley one hundred four point nine. You're alone in the car. You don't know why. You're just not sure. There was something up there, something out there. You heard it. You saw the eyes. The radio was on. It was Desert Oracle Radio on Valley 104.9 Community Radio, Sundays at 8 p.m. Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Hello, late-night listeners. Join me, Garrett, on Valley Underground for left-of-center independent and alternative listening Saturdays from 12 to 2 a.m. on Valley 104.9, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark, the croaky Heather Stark this week, and I'm here with Christy Fox. Christy and I are kind of convetching, and we're doing politics and real estate and all those topics that everybody's. We should we should hit on religion, and then we will have covered the triumvirate of stuff you're not supposed to talk about. In your croaky voice. In my croaky voice, yeah. In your croaky voice, Um, you have to tell us why your voice is croaky. I have to say, as I said right before the break, I like your croaky voice. But I've always envied and admired women with those husky voices. Oh, well, see, I don't feel it as husky. But I've I've never heard, I don't hear my voice the same way other people do. I've had people tell me that my voice is very sexy and soothing and, you know, all. and when I used to do NPR stations, it was just like, ooh, this fits in. Um, I don't hear it that way because I'm hearing it from inside my cranium and it comes out completely differently. Um, but what I hear with this croaky voice is I just hear it's like a, a bad needle on an old record. It just kind of skips and hops and, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing, so I don't I don't see it as an asset. I'm a little worried that you know it could get worse or recurring, which happens to a lot of people who talk for a living. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. And you know, I guess the answer to that is we'll just shut up for a while. But ha, hello, tea with honey and lemon. <laughs> tea with honey and lemon. When well, I know, used to do a lot of theater, and at the end or in the middle of a run. You know, you you would be like, oh my God, I got a tea with honey and lemon. Well, you that's know, that's interesting because whenever we had sore throats as a child, my mother would always make hot lemonade. Just make regular lemonade. Oh. Don't get that packaged okay. stuff that tastes as chemicals. Just get make a regular lemonade, a little lemon juice, a little sugar or honey, and mm-hmm. um, heat it. You know, have yeah. it warm, and it is so yeah. soothing for a sore throat. It is okay. So now we're going to change it to so the So what happened to your voice? I recorded four one-hour shows in in about an 18-hour period. And oh my God. then, you know, you add that to just the ordinary regular talking that you do, and it just has ended up this way. What can I tell you? It's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty. Like I said, so I think it sounds now. great. I do. I like <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> Hey, listen, we had an auction here at Valley 104.9, and uh, we yes. had a lot of fun. And I think we're going to do it every year. This is our second year of doing it. Um, Garrett and the Sheriffs played. We had this 
wonderful auctioneer uh, who volunteered his time named Jay Fisk, who does all sorts of exciting and wonderful things. He's actually been on the show with me before, and he's a fun guy to talk with. And uh, we just had a great time. It was a great time to meet listeners and to meet for listeners to meet us. We auctioned off a lot of fun things, including, are you ready for this, Christy? A pig roast what? party for 50. Oh, the pig roast party. I'm hoping to get invited yeah. to it. I know. That's I, think they, I think that should be a, Yeah. So I haven't been to a big roast party in a few years. And they oh, are it's fun. Well, and, you know, we we have some wonderful supporters out there. And, and uh, the things that they came up with, you know, restaurants and, you know, it, it was just a really fun thing. So um, bear in mind that if we do do it again next year, I think we will. It's going to be the first Sunday afternoon in October. And it's just a great time. So put it on your calendar for next year. Listen throughout the year, and you'll hear more about it, especially as we get closer to next fall. Um, but but put it on your calendar. You know, I mean, I, have you gotten your new calendar for 2020, Christy? I haven't gotten any new calendars for 2020. I usually don't start getting them until the holidays, though. Well, see, so. this is another thing that you know the young people don't actually go out and buy calendars; they just use their phones. But having lost my phone a couple times and having had my daughter show me how to, you know, to do these apps where I can put something on my calendar on my phone and then it will appear on my calendar on my desktop. And that just due to user failure has not been successful. So I still go out and I get the old calendar. And, you know, there's something comforting about carrying that calendar with you. I like it. I like it. You actually carry one with you? Oh, yeah, I put it in my purse. Oh, my. I haven't done that for years. I okay, haven't. Fine. I remember my first job in radio. I was a producer and copywriter. And, of course, you know, you have constant deadlines, constant deadlines. Oh, yeah. And I had four calendars on my desk. And everything I had to do was on every calendar. Oh, gosh. Because I was so, it was my first job my first professional job, and I was so terrified of missing a deadline that I had a, de- you know, a, a desk pad calendar and three other, ca- and of course this was before computers, three other calendars and everything was on it. I think I spent more time putting things on calendars than I did actually creating things. Yeah, we're, we're giving away our ages left and right here. we got to learn to be more subtle. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you have your calendar or if you have the if you just scroll over to your on your phone or wherever and and find 2020, find that first weekend in October and put Valley 104.9 auction. And I think you'll have a great time. So, yeah, we all and I will show you how to get it from your phone to your desktop. You know, because even though I started work before there were computer calendars. I'm pretty good at using them. Well, I'm good at what I need to. I'm good at word processing. I'm good at audio, you know, but I, eh, you know, part of it for me is, is it worth the time investment? Is it going to take me longer to learn how to use this than I will actually save in using it? Because if it's going to be a long time commitment, forget it. I'll just keep doing things the Luddite way. I'm comfortable that way. <laughs> so anyway, but no, I've had, I've had a couple kids show me and, and that's very nice. And perhaps this is the year where I will uh, adopt more uh, um, computer friendly systems. But for right now, I'm, I already got my 2020 calendar and uh, I've got it. I got it in my briefcase. Okay. And, and I'm keeping it. So I don't care what you do with my phone calendar. I'm keeping my my. my You're keeping your regular one. I actually saw today that Microsoft is coming out with a new, uh, it's a Surface, but it's basically a foldable Surface, and it comes down to the size of a large phone. And you can make calls on it, although they're not calling it a phone. Oh, my gosh, I would love to have that. You know, I I have coveted. Uh, one of those Surface computers for a long time. I mean, I, I would just, I like salivate with those things. I just, that's what I want. If anyone wants to know what to get me for Christmas, hello, that that will do. Hey, listen, we're going to be out of time and all we will have done is kvetch. But I want to bring this up. This is from, okay. I forget what publication I saw this in, some online publication in Seattle. But <laughs> 
somebody, I don't, I'm not clear who, has, has come up with the idea that I-5 should have a lid over it covering portions of the freeway that goes through Capitol Hill, First Hill, and some of the downtown neighborhoods and provide land, presumably the top of the lid, for housing and green space. Yes. Doesn't that sound Not only have they come up with it, they're doing a major study of it. They're spending a million and a half dollars or something doing a major well, study of it. Well, apparently that's what this article is about, is about yeah. the, what the initial findings of the study, which indicates that it would cost $22 million per acre. Oh, it doesn't and surprise me at all. As much as, much as $15 million per acre for uh, cost of labor increase, material increases, um, uh, mistakes by the contractor, city and, and state um, uh, changes, you know, that kind of thing, and uh, cost overruns. So oh, yeah. they're saying at least $22 million per acre. Don't, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, they don't say how many acres are included here, but I'm, <laughs> I, I live on five acres. I have a general idea what that is, and I think there's a many, many, many five-acre squares that it would take to cover Capitol Hill, First Hill, and the downtown neighborhood. Is, Over I-5, I mean, sure country? it is. Yeah, sure so it is, the but... genius that came up with this idea? Well, you know, the thing is, it's not an uncommon thing. They are doing it in other cities. They're apparently doing well, it in Dallas. Around, but it was a long time ago. Things weren't nearly that expensive. They put a lid over the new, um, the, the, the new uh, 520, where they did the new bridge and where it comes over onto the mm. east side. They put a lid over yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it's It's really, when you think about it, it's, the only way they're going to be able to add land to the city of Seattle. Well, of course. And you know, think but... about this. Think about this. Think about all of the science fiction movies that you've seen over the years where the cities go way up into the sky. And it's not just buildings. If you're going to do that, if you're going yeah, to build right. up into the sky, you can't do it with just a building that goes from the ground up ad infinitum miles and miles high. It has to be in layers. So a lid is just a layer. So we're living George Jetson style now. That's right. Well, we're not doing it yet, but yeah, that's yeah. basically what it is. That's base. It's a well, so it's I a layer of a city. I want to carry yeah. this to the extreme. As much as we're growing out here in the rural, rural areas, are we going to see at some point, 100 years from now, where we're raising cattle and uh, growing crops on, on these lids above the, sky, the, the, the skyscrapers? I don't Who know. Knows? Something to think about. Isn't it? Who knows? You know, and it's either that these, or on the moon. Take your pick. Well, with all these lids, how is the stuff under the lid... I mean, either, either that's going to become a, a dead land or it ha- they have to come up with some way to get water and sun there. Well, I don't think getting water there is, you know, going to be a problem. Getting sun there, uh, that's a real good question. Maybe they just have great big skylights. There we go. You know, or go. or like like I have in my new home, what are they called? The solar tubes. They're wonderful. <laughs> They're wonderful. Yeah. I've got four of them in my house in interior areas like a bathroom and a laundry room. I get natural yeah. light all day long. And it goes <laughs> right up through, through well, my room. Well, you go, girl. I don't yeah, want to live they could, they could do anything. I, it's the miracle of modern science. Yeah. But what, yeah. they can do anything. But then, you, there's the, you know, the psychologist in me says, but then what? Then what? I mean, we have done studies with rats for, you know, decades. You know, people don't do so well in high-density populations. They just don't do so well. So I'll leave that to the experts to think about because right now, again, I'm looking at the clock. And, Christy, I have a challenge for you. Okay. Next time we do a show together, next time we do a show together, we're not talking government. We're not talking um, uh, politics and... We're not talking real estate. Did we talk politics? We didn't talk politics. We studiously did not talk politics. I I said about when we were talking about the 
hashtag me too stuff, I was saying that I think there's a different standard. And when we were talking about the um, uh, ACLU, I mentioned that. So that's a political, that's political. That's true. I suppose, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Oh, come on. But it's very that. mild yeah, considering the way the world is right now. Okay. So your, your challenge is to think up new topics. We could talk about, we could talk about recipes. We could talk. <laughs> come on. You got, we got to think of But then I'd have to cook. No, you don't have to. I, all the time I'm at the gym. You know, I don't have a TV. So when I'm at the gym, that's the only time I get to see all these cooking shows and everything. And I oh. love watching these cooking shows. I never make that stuff. I never cook it. But it's so You're much like fun. You're like my to sister. She loves cooking shows, and she's never. she had a stove that she never turned on. I mean, she had disconnected well, you know, when she redid her kitchen and never had it reconnected. One of my favorite shows is the Great British Baking Show. And it is really? so much fun. You've got to look it up. You've got to look it up. Okay. And... Maybe do you, do you think that do you think they'd hire me as a spokesperson? You can always I think, try. I think they would. I, yeah. You could be their American yeah. spokesperson. If they're if it's a British show, they're terribly, terribly British. Yeah, but it's a great show. It's really fun, and they all it's just okay. cooking the British baking show. Um, so look it up. I think they've been on for several years. So there's going to be reruns on YouTube and stuff. That being said, we've run out of time again, Christy. We never have time. We never have I have a, 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 a surfeit of, of time. I mean, we always fill every minute. And, you know, one of the things I want to do before we, we close for this week is I want to solicit input. Those of you who are listening to this, uh, those folks who listen to any uh, show on Valley 104.9, give us some input. Let us know what you'd like to talk about. Let us know who you'd like to hear talking about it. We'd like to hear from you. So you can email me, heather.stark at valley1049.org. That being said, you can also listen to Valley Talk every Sunday evening and Tuesday evening. Go to our website, valley1049.org, and you can get the schedule and see what's going to be playing. And stick with us for next week. We're going to have another great show. Thank you, Christy, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Heather. To Valley Talk on Valley 104.9 FM. (laughs) 